Thank you so much for listening to the Jesus Family Podcast, where we want to help you follow Jesus and find family. We are in a teaching series called You Are What You Think, how the enemy attacks you, how to fight back, and how to know that you're winning. These episodes are recorded live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube, and then I will take that, edit it down, and release it the following Monday for the Jesus Family Podcast. So if you want to watch any of these episodes live, please join me this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Facebook or YouTube. But we are in week four of a series called You Are What You Think, and here's how I want to set it up. So in episode four, let me start it off this way. Let me show you first a picture that should be pretty concerning. Uh, and this is drinking water. This is drinking water from Flint, Michigan. If you remember hearing anything about the Flint, Michigan water crisis, this is the tap water that was coming out of Flint, Michigan. Now, what makes this so difficult is that people were uh, drinking it for years. So in... Uh, just long story short, and I may get some of the details wrong, but here's my basic understanding of Flint, Michigan. It was a, it's a Rust Belt town where the manufacturing jobs had left a long time ago, and so it was a uh, town in slow but steady decline, actually to the point where the state actually took over running the, the, the city and to try to cut costs wherever they could. They switched the water source from Lake Huron to the Flint River. And so that went on from April 25th, 2014 to October of 2016 when they said, hey, don't drink the water. It might not be safe. The problem is between 2014 and late 2016, for two and a half years, the citizens of Flint, uh, Michigan, were drinking the water, assuming that because it was coming out of the, the tap water, it was safe. But it wasn't. It was filled with all types of chemicals, and there is a whole host of lawsuits and um, diseases and sicknesses. And, I mean, just it's, it's just bad. And all it came from was people drinking the water. But the water was polluted. And what they didn't realize was that water was poisoning them. So let me give you one other example. This is a little bit closer to home for me because I live in South Mississippi. This is what's known as Cancer Alley. This is something that's been documented over the last um, several years. This is actually just south of me where I live in Louisiana. And those uh, parishes in pink are um, about a 90-mile stretch between Baton Rouge and um, New Orleans where there is a proliferation of chemical plants and other types of plants that are putting a lot of stuff into the air and the cancer rate is much higher uh, for certain populations in that area than above average. And the only thing that they can uh, figure out at this point, and of course it's an ongoing debate and lots of different lawsuits and stuff like that, is that it's in the air. That the toxins are in the air from all the surrounding plants and that all the, that the people, the citizens of that area have to do is just go outside and breathe. Just like the people of Flint, Michigan, all they had to do was drink their tap water and they were going to be just sick. So that kind of sets up the tone of where we're going. Now, let me give you some goals of what we're going to try to do for this episode, episode four of You Are What You Think. So the first one I want to try and do is uh, the first goal is I want to try to help you understand why lies are so deadly to you. 
We're going to recap that in just a minute, but I want you by the end of this session, end of this teaching episode, to understand just why lies are so deadly to you. And the second goal I want to try to accomplish is I want to help you know where your deadliest lies are. Where are, there's lies all around us, but where are the ones that are the deadliest to you? Where are they located? So those are the two things I want to try and do. Now, let me see if I can recap real quickly the first three episodes that we've done. So this is episode four, and episode one, uh, basically we said, hey, this world is really, really, really messed up. In the second episode, we said, hey, the Satan's behind it all. There is a person behind the problems. And in episode three, last week, we said that Satan attacks us through lies, And so where we left off last week was, okay, lies don't seem like that big of a deal. So tonight, or in today's episode, all we're going to try and do is make the case of why are lies so deadly. Let's jump in and try to answer, what should you know? All right, what's the main thing I want you to try to walk away with, if nothing else, from this episode? And it's simply this, lies corrupt and destroy. So why are lies so deadly? Because lies corrupt and destroy. And I think this is one of those things that's eh, it's just it's just common sense. If you've lived out a lie, it usually hasn't ended up well for you. But it's not just common sense that leads me to this. I think it's also scripture. So let me give you a couple of um, at one in particular that I want to look at, and then we're going to look at another one as well. But in Ephesians chapter 6, so we're looking at Ephesians 6. That's our main topic, and all I'm trying to do at this point is just kind of prepare us to dive into that. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul is writing to uh, some of the earliest Christians, and he says, put on the full armor of God. That's going to be part two of this entire um, series, the second of three parts. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I want to kind of hone in on that word schemes, that um, the schemes of the devil, because it's interesting when you look at it. Here's what I mean. I'm going to see if I can put my screen up here uh, because I want you to try to see what I see. And I don't want to just tell you what I think the Bible says. I want to try to help show you why I got to where I got to and see if the the case that I've made for myself is enough to convince you as well. So this is a website um, that I'm actually on right now. And uh, um, I've showed it to you before. It's thebible.org. And it is a, it's a lot like some of the other ones like Bible Gateway or the Bible app where you can look at various um translations of the Bible. So right now I've got the Christian Standard Version, and I've got the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, and I've got the NIV, which is what I grew up with, the New International Version. And then this over here, you can set these up however you want, but this is a Greek version. So if you click on this, you can change the versions, and I see I've got it as Biblical Greek, and there's a couple of different types of Biblical Greek that show you different things, but I've got the Westcott Hort Hort, uh, version up, and here's here's what I mean by that. So we just looked at Ephesians chapter 6, which says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Every once in a while, even if you don't have a working understanding of biblical Greek, it can help you find out more things from Scripture. So when you click on this, so this is put on the full armor of God, and this is the Greek, the original Greek that the New Testament was written in. If you... um, 
click on any one of these words and let's do a verse study first. When you do a verse study, what it does is it shows you the, these words down at the bottom with the English translation. So I want you to look at the for the word schemes and you see how it's right here, uh, method, methodius. That's where we get the word methods from. Methodius, that's the word schemes. Okay, so methodius, it's phonetically spelled underneath it, but these are the Greek letters, methodius. So now if I go back up and I find it right here, it's right here in blue, it's this noun, methodius. And if I click on it again, instead of a verse study, if I click on word study, what it's going to do is it's going to show me all the other times that this specific word shows up in Scripture. And so it's amazing is that this word is used twice in the New Testament, both in the book of Ephesians. So at this point, we should start like being curious. Okay, Paul is trying to make a point. One of the things you're going to find if you study the, the words of uh, Paul and the letters of Paul, he's very organized. Everything builds off of each other. Everything we're going to be looking at in Ephesians chapter 6, he was actually sprinkling throughout the rest of the book of Ephesians. So the armor of God in Ephesians 6 isn't this you know, brand new topic. It's actually the climax of everything he'd been teaching up through then. So it shouldn't be surprising that Paul used the word Methodius again previously in Ephesians 4.14. So, okay, so there should be some sort of connection between Ephesians 6.11 and Ephesians 4.14 because those are the two times in Scripture in the entire New Testament that this word, specific word, for the, the schemes or the wiles or the methods of the devil. So, now, let's go into that. So, if you, I, I already picked it up. In Ephesians 4.14, it says this, Then we will no longer be infants, talking about um, as we grow up and mature as a body of Christ, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So that word scheming, that's methodius. That's what we see in Ephesians 6. And it's attached to the word deceit, which ties into last week, that the, the Satan's primary attack is through lies and deceit. So his methods are through deceit. So that's, that's what Jesus taught in John chapter 8, and this is what Paul is you know, picking up off of and continuing to expand in Ephesians chapter 4. But he's not talking specifically about the devil, he's talking about people in their deceitful scheming. But remember, when Jesus was talking about the, the, the lies of the enemy in John 8, he was actually talking to religious people. And he's saying, you belong to your father, the devil. So when people of the devil, which are people who follow the ways of this world, when they lie, they're following the schemes of their master, which is the devil. So tie it all together. And this, this idea of the schemes or the deceit of the devil, that it's you see it in Scripture, okay? So it's in Ephesians 6, it's in Ephesians 4, and it all comes from John chapter 8. Now, what I want to focus on is Paul goes on, this is still Ephesians chapter 4, of describing the lives of people who live by deceitful scheming. So we want to try to answer the question, why are lies so dangerous? Well, Paul gives us a bit of a description. In Ephesians chapter 4. So let's go up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and what I highlight in pink are just uh, references to deceit or thinking or the mind, everything that we're focusing on in this passage. 
So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You are what you think. So he's attacking or exposing the way that Gentiles, uh, the non-believers uh, is, is what he's referring to, how they think, the way of the, of, of the Roman world at that time, the Greek world at that time. Here's how he describes it. They are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And here's the description. See if this, if this sounds like a wonderful life or a destructive life. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. So they've lost all sense of right or wrong. They've completely given into their base human, you know, corrupted desires. And all they want to do is just consume every kind of impurity and all they think about themselves. You know, in, in the South, we use the term, oh, they went a little wild in college. In wild, they just gave in to their worst instincts. And he continues on. In verse 22, you were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. So these deceitful desires come from and are amplified by the devil. And Paul says they corrupt. That your old self, who we were before Jesus there, it's corrupted by the deceitful desire. So there's a lot there. And Paul is very, very verbose in the way that he talks about it. So it can be a little bit con confusing. But if you wrap it all together, deceit and lies, they corrupt. So why are um, lies so deadly? Because lies corrupt and destroy. Because lies corrupt. You get that not just from Ephesians 6, you get that from Ephesians 4. Lies are deadly because they corrupt. Now, let me see if I can give you a, a word picture, okay, to, to help explain why lies are so deadly because they corrupt. Think of your life as an immune system, okay? So let me just put up a picture of an immune system. So this is just, I Googled it and here's the image that came up. Mucous membranes, lymphatic vessels, thymus, skin, um, bone marrow, tonsils, lymph nodes, spleen, lymphatic vessels. So there's all these different things in us that constitute our immune system. Even if you don't have a you know doctoral degree in medicine, you have some sense of an idea that when your immune system is strong, you can fight off infections. You can fight off diseases. When your immune system is low, then you're more, more susceptible to diseases and diseases that can, um, you know, knock you out for a little bit, now can actually turn into something deadly if your immune system is compromised. I, I think it's general knowledge. We know that. So um, if your immune system is great, getting close to somebody who's got a cough isn't anything. If your immune system is not strong, well, well then going next to someone with a cough can be deadly. I mean, that's one of the things and one of the reasons why COVID at the very beginning was so deadly. Because if you already had a weak immune system, what might just turn someone's weekend upside down could actually kill you because your immune system. So we understand this with the immune system. Think of uh, the truth and our, you know, our relationship with Jesus and the armor of God as our immune system. 
And when we live lies, when we swallow lies, when we, you know, absorb lies, it's weakening our immune system so that it corrupts, it weakens the immune system so that the enemy can have his way with us. So that's why lies are so deadly, because it weakens our immune system. And it makes us more susceptible to the wiles, to the schemes, to the methods of the enemy who wants to destroy us. So what should we know? Lies corrupt and destroy. That's why they're so dangerous. All right, let's keep going. Why should you care? Okay. Lies are deadly. It weakens our immune system. So what? Let let me try to explain this. And I've got, I had like so many different ideas and so many different illustrations because I think it's so real. I only, I'm only just going to give you a couple. But the reason that living a lie is so dangerous is because you will always live out your truth. And I put that in air quotes because your truth is sometimes the truth and sometimes it's not. But if you think that it's the truth, you will live it out. Let me, I think I can prove this just with one illustration. And I think you'd agree with me. Let's say you had two kids and they grew up in the house. And let's say you parented both of them. And let's say, I don't know, let's even say they were twins. Okay, so there's a lot of things that were just equal about them. But let's say you decided to do two different things with them. Let's say for the oldest, you told the oldest twin every single day the truth, that they were beautiful, they were wonderful, that God created them, that they were perfect, that they were valued, that they were smart, they were strong, they were beautiful, they were funny. I mean, you just you just poured life into them. You poured affirmation into them every day for 18 years. Yeah, I mean, it, they might be a plumber, they might be a, a, a medical doctor. But if they have life poured into them and affirmation poured into them, they're probably going to have a pretty enjoyable life, a fulfilling life. Let's say with the second twin, you decided to do the exact opposite. Let's say you didn't beat them, you didn't starve them, you just told them a lie every day. Every day, you told them convincingly that they were dumb, that they were stupid, that they were fat, they were ugly, they were weak, they were, that they weren't good for anything, that they were a mistake, that they shouldn't be on this planet. I mean, it doesn't just break your heart even thinking that. It just... Telling a kid that every single day, especially when they take your word as gospel as their parent, and that shapes their reality. So if you have one kid that thinks that they're amazing, and one kid that's being told every single day that they're dumb, stupid, fat, and ugly, do you think that their lives will be different? Of course, because they will be living out their truth, what they believe to be the truth, whether it's the truth or not. So why are lies so deadly? We always live out what we believe to be the truth, whether it's the truth or not. And what's even worse is that when that lie, because the truth always comes out, when that lie crashes into reality and disappears, well, the consequences remain. Let me give you some silly examples. I was um, saw on Twitter there's a, a, a video or a picture of a person and it was a, a security camera of a person who was um, uh, trying to rob a bank. 
didn't have a mask. Just robbing a bank, didn't have a mask, and they were arrested. So they went in, didn't have a mask, robbed the bank. That night, they were arrested. Okay, so what's the big deal? Well, this was in April 19th, 1995. Uh, a guy named MacArthur Wheeler, like you can look it up. Well, he was convinced that lemon juice commonly used as invisible ink would render him undetectable to CCTV. So his face was wet when he walked in and it was covered with lemon juice. And he was convinced that it would fool the CCTV cameras and so it would be an invisible person robbing him. He was so convinced of that, well, he walked in without a mask and robbed a bank. And guess what? When the cop showed up at his house that night, his lie disappeared and he was charged for armed robbery. Okay, that, that's a silly example, but I mean, it can get, it's silly, not for us, I mean, for him, it's silly for us, but not for him. But the consequences can get even worse. I mean, let's say you believe that you can fly. Let's say that your truth is you believe that God's given you the ability to fly. Well, if you live out that truth, the consequences could vary. Let's say you want to jump off a six-foot wall and you think you can fly. Well, when you crash the ground, you realize you can't fly, but you, technically you flew for half a second before you fell to the ground. Let's say you jump off a two-story building because you're so convinced that you can fly. Well, you might fly for two seconds and then you're going to crash into the ground and maybe break your leg off a two-story building. But let's say that you're so convinced that you can fly that you decide to jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet without a parachute. Well, for a good minute, minute and a half, however long it takes you to free fall from 10,000 feet, you are living your truth. You are technically flying. But when your lie crashes into reality and you free fall from 10,000 feet, well, the consequences, meaning your death, remains. And that's why lies are so tragic because we live out our lies. And, that, and that's why Satan uses that as the way that to, to destroy us. He doesn't have to make us do anything. He just has to make us believe something and we'll do it ourselves. I mean, if you think that you can drive your uh, car fast enough through a concrete wall, well, you can think that all you want. You can even live that out. But when that crashes into the reality of that concrete wall, well, then you're going to have a broken bones, you know, maybe at death, a broken car. I mean, it's just crazy, but it gets, it can be absolutely wrecking for people. I've talked to so many empty nesters who are so broken about their kids who've walked away from faith, who've walked away from church because, you know, either they believe the wrong thing about God or they taught the wrong thing. or And, and, and these, these kids who are now adults have this skewed version of God and they're walking away from God. And their truth is that they're walking away from a religion or a version of religion that Jesus himself probably would have walked away from. But the, because that version of Christianity or that cult or just the, the, the unloving nature of the church, I mean, it was such a twisted version of Christianity and these kids thought, hey, if this is what God is like, I don't want anything to do with it. And so they're walking away from a lie, but they're thinking they're walking away from God because all they experienced 
about church or Christianity was a broken, messed up, deceit-filled, infected version of Christianity. I mean, it's just, when your lie crashes into reality and disappears, the consequences remain. Let me give you one more um, example, and this is absolutely heartbreaking. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, I bookmarked this on Twitter a while ago because I think this is probably the... The, the strongest thing, if you really want to talk about lies and um, consequences, look at, for me, it's it, look at detransitioners. So, I mean, there's been a raging debate the last many, many years about uh, gender and gender fluidity. And is there one sex? Is there two sex? Can you change sexes? And so, you know, people who transition from male to female or female to male, you know, that is that is a very hot topic, and, and rightfully so, because something as foundational as biology is something that's very sacred to people who believe that God created us, male and female. So I, I'm not necessarily diving into that topic tonight, but I want to read you the story of a person who is detransitioned. And what I mean by that is this is their story. This is a, a, a girl who was convinced, um, who was unhappy, had a suicide attempt at the age of 14, and who became convinced that the reason that she was so unhappy is because she was trapped in the wrong body, she was trapped in the wrong gender. So she began the transitioning process, took the hormones, cut off her breasts, um, you know, and began to, to transition from female to male. And then... After those surgeries, those life-altering, irrevocable surgeries happened, she came to a realization that was just shocking. That the answer wasn't for her to be a male and that that wasn't going to solve all of her problems. But now she's done all this surgery. So, I mean, she's have pieces of her body cut off and she's you know, physically changed and chemically changed herself. And so she was reaching out for some help on Reddit and it got posted. And here's what, I'm just going to read you a clip of it. She said, I've never posted on Reddit before, so I'm really sorry if I do something wrong. I'm 17. I've been transitioning medically for three years now. Lupron for three, testosterone for three, top surgery last year, name gender marker changed last year as well. Even though I've technically, I've been out as transgender since I was 11 I've since realized transitioning wasn't right for me, and I feel really, really scared. I've told my mom, but not anyone else yet. I was hoping that my doubts were just internalized, and it isn't the case, but I'm starting to realize that, no, I made a mistake, and I'm petrified of the next steps. Hair loss is very common in my family, and I have androgenic alopecia, and I'm basically bald. My voice is super deep. My body's incredibly masculine. Even when I try to present as feminine, I now just look like a teenage boy in drag. And I don't even want to think about the fact that legally I am completely male. My parents were against it at first, but they supported me after my suicide attempt. And now I just don't know what to do. I feel like I'm never going to look like a girl or even a pretty one for that matter. I also feel like I look so male. There's no way that lesbians would even accept me. I just guess I just feel really, really bad right now. Could someone please tell me that things are going to be okay and that things will get better? Is that even possible? I've lived basically my whole life trying to be a boy and now I'm not sure anymore and I'm scared. 
And again, I, I'm not here to start throwing Bible verses around. I just that absolutely breaks my heart that there was a young girl who was convinced that her answer to her unhappiness was to transition from female to male. And then once she had all those unchangeable surgeries, she realized that that was a lie. And now there are some things she can't get back. And her, her life is going to be forever changed because she believed a lie. So why are lies so dangerous? Because you will always live out what you believe to be the truth, whether it's the truth or not. And when your lie crashes into reality and disappears, the consequences remain. This is a big deal, big deal and lies destroy too many lives. So that's why we should care. Let me finish with this. How should we live? Okay, so based off of what we've learned tonight from Ephesians 6 and Ephesians 4, and just sitting with the weight of how deadly lies can be for us and for those that we love, what should we do? And here's where I want to try to finish out. The goal of not just this episode, but this whole series is to learn, the, learn to spot the lies that you can't see right now. Let's go back to the beginning. The goal's at the top. We're to help you understand why lies are so deadly, and that's what I'm trying to just give you example after example. And secondly, I wanted to try to help you know where the deadliest lies in your life are. And so I've been asking questions like, hey, you know, what lies are out there? And, and the, the easiest lies, and actually some of the least deadly lies, are the lies that we see. Because we see that they're lies. And so, again, it's easy to start saying, okay, well, this is the lie that my spouse believes, or this is a lie that my, you know, uh, a politician believes, or this is a lie that my neighbor believes. Like, we can spot the lies in other people. But, and it's easy for us just to get mad at the other people, you know, if we're conservative, to get mad at the liberals, if we're liberals, to get mad at the conservatives. It's easy to spot the lies and the hypocrisy in other people. But I want you to learn to spot the lies that you can't see right now. Why? Because the deadliest lies are the ones that you can't see. Because they are the ones that you might be believing right now. What do I mean by that? Well, at the beginning, when I asked about um, uh, Flint River, we're going to talk about Flint River. You know, the the deadliest um, poison to them was the water they were drinking. When we were talking about Cancer Alley, you know, the deadliest thing for the people living in Cancer Alley was the air that they're breathing. And they didn't think to question the air. They didn't think to question the tap water because we don't question the tap water. We don't question the air that we're breathing. And rightfully so, like, we have to make assumptions. Here's, here's the hard part. Assumptions are necessary to live. Like, you have to assume things to survive. Meaning, when you go outside and you walk from your house to your car, you have to assume that there's not a sniper outside waiting to shoot you on your front porch or you'll never go outside again. If you eat some food, you make an assumption that the food is not poisoned or else you would never eat again. 
when you get into your car. You assume that no one has placed a bomb underneath your car because then you would never go anywhere. Like we have to have certain assumptions to live. But the danger is assumptions are, necess assumptions are necessary and assumptions can also kill. You can make assumptions about water and water can poison you. You can make assumptions about the air that you breathe and that air can poison you. And so for years, the answer was simple. Well, just run away from the big bad world and stay safe in the church. And I grew up in the 90s and the early 2000s. Like I grew up in this environment where we created our whole, a whole Christian subculture, you know, churches and, and programs. You didn't have to do, you know, anything out in the world because uh, you could do it at church. You had softball leagues in the world. Well, you can have a softball league at church. And you don't have to go to public school. You can go to a Christian school and just be at church the whole time. And if, and if we stay safe inside the walls of the church, well, then we'll keep the lies out. We're going to talk about this more in um, chapter 6 or in, in episode 6, but that's an assumption. An assumption is that everything inside the walls of the church is healthy. And then you read things about sexual abuse going on inside the church. Well, that's not supposed to happen. Or you start reading about things or hearing things that preachers are talking about, and they've got a Bible verse to back it up. So what I'm saying is you can't make an assumption that just because you're inside the church that everything's fine, that everyone has good intentions. You cannot make the assumption that just because they have a Bible verse to back it up that that means that that's actually what Jesus would teach. Even for me, I mean, I, I made basic assumptions about the church about how to lead churches, about how to pastor churches, about what was needed, what was required, what I wanted to do, and what I felt like people wanted to do. And some of those were good. Some of those were not good. And that's one of the reasons why I retired from, from public ministries, because, I mean, I was so overwhelmed when my truth of how I thought churches should be, because that's what I was taught, that's what the books that I read, the conferences that I went to, when that truth crashed into reality, and I was left picking up the pieces, my eyes were open and I realized that not everything that I assumed to be true was true. So again, I'm not saying that you have to question everything because then we'll become paranoid and paralyzed. And so I want to help you learn to spot the lies around you that you can't see right now? How can you see something that you can't be seen? How can you spot the invisible? It's with the armor of God. And the reason that we need to spot that is because the deadliest lies are not the ones that you can see. It's not the ones out there. It's not the ones on the other side of the political or the social aisle. It's the ones that you're drinking. It's the ones that you're breathing, the assumptions that you're making that's hurting you, the assumptions that are hurting your kids and they're hurting those around you. So, I know, kind of a bummer, right? But hey, this, I mean, if you want to understand the scope of the problem, and let me just finish with this, something super, super personal for you. And you might say, hey, I'm, I, you know, my mama raised me right. My grandmama raised me right. I'm, I'm not a liar. I don't get into lies. I don't do lies. I, I don't live lies. I live by the truth. I live by the good book. Well, I would say that lies are all around us. I mean, have we ever lied at church? If you go to church, 
I mean, what do you mean lie? Like, you ever have you ever presented something, you know, that you are a perfect, wonderful family, even if you are not? Do you ever have a temptation to put your best foot forward, even if that's not really you, to hide your sin or to hide your struggles because you don't want to seem like you're less than other people? Sometimes <laughs> when it comes to that and, and the pressure to either be perfect or present like you're perfect, sometimes we lie on our resumes because we don't tell our whole truth or why we got fired or why we slacked off in that last job. We present ourselves the best version of ourselves. We uh, present possibly a deceitful version of ourselves. If you don't think we lie, well then I hope that you're never on social media because we lie all the time on social media. We present the best version of ourselves. We present a, a fictitious version of ourselves to try to, you know, make our lives seem better than they are. I mean, we're swimming in deceit and lies. And so it's not just sometimes the enemy doing it to us, it's us doing it to ourselves. And all that's doing is weakening our immune system and making us more susceptible to the attacks of the enemy, the attacks which are deadly. So that's it. Let me just recap it one last time. Lies corrupt and destroy. The reason they're so deadly is because you will always live out your truth. And when your lie crashes into reality and disappears, the consequences remain. So how we need to respond is we need to learn to spot the lies that you can't see right now because those are the deadliest ones. The deadliest lies are the ones that you can't see because they are the ones that you probably already believe. And that's what we're going to look at throughout this series. But before we even get there, if we know that lies are deadly and we know that lies are all around us, then why do we keep falling for lies? Well, that's what we're going to get into because we're going to, I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> the devil doesn't fight fair. And so we're going to do a recap of what I taught last year or earlier this year with the world, the flesh, and the devil, the unholy trinity, and how it conspires to absolutely just destroy you. It's beatable through the power of the Spirit, but you need to understand why lies can be so deadly. It's because you're not just fighting against the devil, you're fighting against your flesh, and you're fighting against the world. And that one, two, three punch of the world, the flesh, and the, the devil, it is an overwhelming blitzkrieg designed to destroy you that's where we're going to go next week i want you to be informed so that you can be prepared and so that you can begin to fight back and overcome <laughs>